0: Welcome to I'll Start Monday, a podcast that discusses issues that affect us all, from mental health and well-being to finances and careers, but which we have a tendency to put on the long finger. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking, and with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine stop smoking aid, requires willpower. Always read the label. This week, we're talking about a subject that we've been putting off for a while, but it's time to just tackle it head on. Procrastination. To help us, we're joined by Pat Divoli, life coach, podcaster and author of Fit Mind. Pat,
1: welcome to I'll Start Monday. How are you? I'm good. I'm curious as to whether I'm here because I procrastinate or if I'm here to fix the, the problem. Yeah,
0: exactly. We were we were putting off. I couldn't decide whether to ask you or not. You know, it took me a long time to send that email. Tell us, Pat, a little bit about yourself and what it is you do and and how
1: you got into what it is you do. Sure. Um. Initially, my background was fitness, so physical fitness. Uh, in my early teens, I took a liking to the gym and I sort of knew that was what I wanted to do. So at 21, 22, I did a master's in exercise and nutrition science. I, was, I think I was one of the first guys in Ireland to start doing the fitness boot camps outdoors and then set up an online fitness community. And that grew very quickly, which sort of prompted me to widened my perspective of what health was. So health for me in my 20s was about training and nutrition. But the more people I worked with, the more I saw the importance of self-talk and stress management and sleep and meditation, all these different factors. So the last 10 years, that's kind of led me on the path of studying lots of different modalities, cognitive behavioral therapy, logotherapy, coaching neuro linguistic programming, meditation, all these different avenues. And really my passion now is around mental and emotional fitness so I talk to people about the idea that with physical fitness we do things daily to build capacity uh, for us in the long term to support our physical health and for me for a long time with my mental and emotional health I was quite reactive I'd wait until there was a crisis and then I'd start trying to look after myself and so now I really preach both for my everything I preach is, is coming from experience and from things I need to remind myself of frequently so I deliver a lot of workshops around emotional and mental wellness, around men's groups and meditation groups and it's all around that self-care and kind of wider perspective of what health truly is. Well, I mean, I should um, I should make the most of the time we have together here as a, as a coach
0: and uh, sort out a few issues for myself. <laughs> um, what, the, w- one thing I struggle with uh, a lot is um, I suppose it's, it's it's kind of willpower and we'll get on to procrastination afterwards. And they're probably connected in a way. But it's that mm. idea that I mean, I'm very similar in a lot of ways to you. But I'm on the other side of it. I'm the uh, you're the coach. I'm the I'm the, you know, I'm in your class mm. and I did the gym thing. And uh, I actually w- ended up, I went so far down the gym route, I became, a, I, I did a course to become a personal trainer and then went, I, why did I do that? <laughs> just, I got so involved, <laughs> but it was at that point I realized that um, these things, I was sort of, go, I'd go down a, a, a certain route like the gym and it would almost be like a rabbit hole. And then I get so involved, I end up going to college to study to be a personal trainer. And what I, the realisation I had then was, actually, do you know what? If I learn a little bit about the gym and then I learn a about meditation, these are just tools on my belt that I can access when I need to. Uh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I don't have to become, you know, obsessed by one or the other. Do you find an issue for people who are trying to uh, make life better for themselves and improve their lives and improve their well-being that they get stuck in a rut in one place or another? And how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned willpower and from experience, again, everything I talk about, you know, I, I make all the same mistakes. I ca- I fall into all the same holes uh, as my clients. And so I'm just speaking from what's going on for me in my life. Um, but oftentimes I, I meet people that are saying I should be doing X, Y or Z. So I should be meditating. Everyone's talking about meditation. I should be meditating. I should be journaling. There's a lot of talk now about self-care over the last couple of years. And so there's, it's almost become a to-do list of things to do. So I always encourage people to consider like, why do you want to do the thing? So why do you want to journal? They'd say, I want to have peace of mind, but they can't make themselves do it. It just doesn't click for them, the journaling aspect. And so I'd ask that person, how else can you find peace of mind? And there's a million other ways they could do it. They just become attached to it, It has to look a certain way. And similar when I was in the fitness capacity or fitness space, uh, oftentimes clients that struggled with the gym, I'd ask them, why are you here? And they'd say, I want to be healthy. And I'd say, is the gym the only way you can you know, achieve this health and they'd say, no, I love to dance. And I'd say maybe do dance classes instead. So I think that's an important consideration is why do you want to do the things that you're trying to shud yourself to do? And how else might you do it in a more empowering and fun way?
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because at the moment I (laughs) I've ditched the gym. And I've gone back to and I don't know whether it's because, as you mentioned, one of the things and I've mentioned this in a few episodes, one of the things that I like to do every morning now uh, is is meditation and, and and journaling. And this kind of this stuff came to me because I, I went to therapy and, and, and this is sort of like the stuff that kind of fell out of our discussions. And I realized that, you know, this is these are the things that will keep me on track. But I stopped going to the gym and I stopped running. But I went back to playing soccer, which is something that I love and I've always loved. And I and I play three games a week. It's like eight aside, seven aside, whoever's around, whatever. And I absolutely love it. And I'm buzzing afterwards. And it was the mm. best decision I ever made. Um, my, I, I don't, my stomach isn't as flat as it used to be. I'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> no, nor is mine, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Um, and I never yeah. think of it as the way I used
1: to think about going to the gym. Mm. Yeah, and I, I know we're going to talk about procrastination. I think this really ties in in the sense that there's a great concept around um, values and the things that we value in life. So everyone's got a different set of values from our highest values to our lowest values. So my highest values are things like coaching and teaching education and learning, travel, jitsu. I love to do these things. And so they don't require motivation or willpower. I'm kind of energized by them. I'm inspired by them. I'm enthusiastic. I'm excited. I get to do these things. I love to do these things. I want to do these things. But then there's plenty of things that I don't value so highly. And those feel more like the things I should do, the things I have to do, the things I must do. And generally, when it comes to procrastination, one of the things that comes up for us is the things that we procrastinate on typically are things that are lower on our values list. So the idea of cleaning my house is lower on my values list than going to jujitsu. So I will procrastinate on cleaning my house. Um, So I think that's one aspect that, again, I know we're going to get into that. But similar for yourself, you know, if you're fed up with the gym, There's a guy in the in the UK, actually, that talks about this. I think he calls it the manopause, And he says the guys that went to the gym in their 20s and got really stacked and wanted a flat stomach and all this kind of stuff, you reach a certain point and that's not your priority anymore. It's not your value anymore. And so there's a kind of phase of trying to find what's the next step. For me, that was jujitsu, finding something that, again, I get to do that takes some of those values. So some of my values are having a social life. Uh, The gym wasn't really giving me a social life, but jujitsu gives me that bit of competitiveness in jujitsu. So that's there for me. I get to travel with my jujitsu. So that's there for me. So first idea, I suppose, around procrastination might be to consider what are some of the things you value and how could you tie some of those values to the things that are more difficult for you to do? So the, the thought of doing my accounts drives me daft and I will push it on the long finger, the long finger, the long finger. So I might consider if I get my accounts done in the next couple of hours, I'm going to reward myself by going and doing the thing that I really love to do. Or it could be as simple as to I really value good music. So I'm going to listen to beautiful music whilst I'm doing my accounts. Um, I think this can be one way that we can approach it. Yeah, we're just constantly finding ways to trick ourselves really
0: ultimately. So, so let's, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, let's not put it off hmm. any longer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So what is it about procrastination that's so appealing and, and, and why do we do it? I don't know if appealing I don't know if appealing
1: is the right word. But- Comforting maybe is the word. I think I think we're we're just creatures of comfort and we want to be comfortable. And there's the idea of try on brain theory, which is the kind of concept that we think of our brain as one unit, but there's different parts and different motivators to the different parts of the brain. So the more primitive parts of the brain are the reptilian brain, which is where our fight or flight lives and kind of our reactions and our stress responses. And then there's the limbic brain, which is more emotional responses. And again, fear centers, some of our fear responses will come from these older parts of the brain that are primitive and reactive. And then there's the neocortex, which is the human mind. So the the human mind has great plans, great ambitions, can break things down, can be logical, can be creative, can be in a good place. I uh, can know exactly what I need to do to change my life, and so if I'm in that place, if I'm in that cortex, I can, I can forward plan. I, uh, things can make a lot of sense to me. I can break down things into the compound effect. Oh, if I just do ten push-ups a day for the next year, I'm going to do lots of push-ups. But then the other parts of the brain uh, come into play when I'm stressed, and suddenly this goes offline. The human mind goes offline, and I go to my reactions. So I think part of the procrastination issue is when we have an association with this pain associated with doing the thing. So again, the thought of me having to go and tidy my house for the next couple of hours, I associate pain with that on some level. I'm like, that's not comfortable. And so I go into these more reactive parts of the brain. And when I'm in a reactive part of the brain, there's a self-soothing mechaniz- mechaniz- mechanism, 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 <laughs> I'm saying that, a mechan- mechanism that happens. There's, a, there's just a part of me that wants to find that balance again and wants to feel safe. And so I've got different strategies for feeling safe unconsciously. Sometimes I pick up my phone and I feel a bit more safe. It just relieves the stress for those moments, or sometimes a glass of wine or whatever it might be. So I think that's part of it. We're, we're creatures of comfort. We want to feel comfort. We want to feel safe. And when we associate fear or pain with doing the thing, doing the task, we put it on the long finger and we find ways of coming back to a sense of safety. Does that make sense? Mm,
0: yeah, it's very familiar. Yeah, it all makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. I'm just trying to figure out, is that is it because... Like, am am I safe, we talk about myself, if I'm procrastinating and putting stuff off, is it because, am I stressed by the thing or is it because I'm stressed that I'm not in tune with the human mind part of my brain? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it can be different things, right? So if we're just experiencing chronic stress in general, we're back in those more primitive parts and we tend to be more reactionary. Things that are usually easy become more difficult. You know, a conversation with my partner that would usually be a normal conversation if I'm quite stressed and I'm quite high-strung and I'm quite anxious. That's a different conversation to what it would be if I've got a sense of, again, safety within myself from just being balanced, from having a deep breath, from having kind of self-care practices in place. Um, So I think there's that element to it. And then, I mean, there's different forms of procrastination. There's times where I procrastinate. And I always see procrastination as a means of self inquiry. Like I can get curious about, wonder what's going on here, because it's different things at different times. Sometimes it's fear. I procrastinate on putting up social media posts because I fear judgment from other people. I procrastinate launching new programs because uh, there's a perfectionist character in me that wants to get it perfect. Um, And so you can get curious around what's going on for me here with this. Why am I putting this on the long finger? Sometimes it's boredom. The task is too easy, so we leave it until the last minute. And if I leave it and I've only got ten minutes to th- get the thing done, suddenly now it provides a bit of challenge. But if I've got the next two days to do my assignment or do whatever it is, I don't want to do things that are boring. I want the adrenaline that comes with leaving it till the last minute. I, I feel seen, Pat. I feel seen. I mean, it, like, <laughs> I, the, the habits I formed in school
0: and college or whatever, you know, of, of leaving stuff to the last minute and and, you know, Almost like, you know, looking back at it now, almost like, you know, buzzing off that rush of getting it done and, and, and staying up all night or whatever it is. Like, you know, it's it's we you know, why do we
1: do this to ourselves? You know, it's it's crazy, really, I th- you know, I think like it's. I used to see it as a fluffy word. But now I think it's a really important word is compassion, like and uh, self-compassion and understanding that everything we do as human beings, we do for a reason. We're not stupid. We're not, you know, everything is for a reason. If I don't want to drink alcohol and I'm picking up alcohol, I'm doing it for a reason, like I'm trying to self-soothe, I'm trying to make myself feel comfortable. If I'm putting things on the long finger and I just beat myself up about the fact that I procrastinate, there's a reason I'm doing it, there's something there. So I think if we can bring a sense of curiosity and compassion to ourselves, rather than associating with and identifying with I'm a procrastinator, I don't do things, I'm a slow starter, whatever it might be, if I can bring that sense of curiosity... I see my mind as this myriad of characters. And there's one guy in my mind who's very motivated. There's another guy who's very social. Then there's an anxious guy and an antisocial guy and an angry guy. There's all these different characters. And one of the characters is the procrastinator. And rather than beat myself up about that part, I want to be curious about him and I want to understand him. And so I'll, I'll literally speak to the different parts of myself. I'll ask the procrastinator, what is it you're afraid of? And they might say, I'm afraid of judgment. I'm afraid of failure. Uh, I'm afraid of the boredom that's going to come with doing that thing that you don't want to do. And I'll just have that conversation. I'll almost negotiate with that part of myself. Okay, if we can spend, I keep you talking about tidying my house. It's where (laughs) I lived in a kip. It's not that bad. But I might say, I might communicate with that part. Okay, if we can spend the next hour tidying the house, how could I make that more comfortable for you? Again, put on some nice music and let yourself go and train jiu-jitsu afterwards. So I think it's about understanding, self-understanding rather than self-judgment is key.
0: You see, the the other thing the other bit for me then, uh, is that I'm always looking to get to the point where I never procrastinate again. So 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 that's the it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is that I'm always trying to be different than I am, rather than getting used to who I am or, or sort of like using the tools in my belt to just get me through the difficulty I'm facing. Do you know what I mean? And that's sort of something that I'm starting to realise that I I just have to um <laughs> I just have to realise that I am there is all these people inside me. As, as you just said, uh, I am the way I am. I need to just find the tools. Uh, and so I, 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 my question is, like, do you find uh, in your work that you meet these people who sort of are striving to be a different person and and waiting to that day where when they no longer procrastinate? And I presume that never happens. You're never going to get there.
1: Yeah, Because, uh, again, procrastination carries with it some value, you know, in the in the sense of it's a protective mechanism. It's a way of. Uh, making better decisions. If I never procrastinated, I'd never kind of ponder. And, you know, I, I sometimes procrastination is a gift. Um, and so it's it's not a bad part of us. It's not something we should look to get rid of. I think a lot of these parts I call it parts work. You know, if you sit with someone and they say there's a part of me that never stays consistent, they're kind of telling you in their simple language, okay, that's one aspect of me. There's a part of me that always messes things up. There's a part of me that really wants to change my life. So again, all these different parts, if we can understand the part and we, you know, we're talking specifically here about the procrastinating part, if we can understand them, we can sort of repurpose how they operate in the world. And what I mean by that is there's times where the procrastination is really useful. There's times where it really gets in the way. If we don't understand that part of ourselves, we've no control over when it's useful versus when it gets in the way. But if we can start to have an awareness around, okay, procrastination is showing up for me in this moment, now we can work with that part. And again, sometimes we can let it do its thing. There's times where maybe you've had a really busy time and you've got a massive expectation on yourself today to get lots of things done, but the procrastinator's right there front and center saying, sit down and watch 90 Day Fiance or (laughs) watch something on the telly, you know? And maybe some days you got to check in and you got to say, why is he showing up? Or why is she showing up? And maybe it's because you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and you want to just relax. And just by having that awareness, I think maybe it is the day to sit on the couch and not do anything. But equally, if you don't get to know this character, generally they'll just run, you know, run rife and just do their thing. So I think that's important.
0: Yeah, because I I think generally uh, happiness lies in. You know, doing those things that you know in your heart of hearts you really want to do, but you procrastinate for different reasons, as you mentioned, it's because of fear of judgment, or you know, what what will people think if I suddenly say I'm I'm writing a book, or what will people think if I if I say I'm leaving my job as a as an accountant to become an actor? You know, all those kind of things. You kind of touched on your own journey a little bit. Could we dive into that a little bit deeper? just because it's a good it's a good story and like was there was there things that you knew you wanted to do and change about your own life like i I doubt it was just a case of well one day i was a trainer and the next day i just got into training the mind instead of the body and that was it you know how did that transition happen and was there was there periods of procrastination and how difficult was that to make those decisions and then i suppose for the people around you to tell them what you were doing or to you know to, to tell them what you you know, it's hard sometimes to tell other people what it is you want to do. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that, your own
1: sort of story, a little bit more detail, maybe? Sure. Well, it's funny. I've never considered this, but that's what conversations do is they allow us the chance to consider new things. But um, procrastination would have served me well, <laughs> more if I'd, if I'd procrastinated more in my 20s. So a lot of my motivation for setting up a business in my early 20s and getting into the fitness space was around a lack of self-esteem and a lack of self-worth. And the idea that I'm not enough, I don't fit in, I'm not important. I don't have value. There's a lot of struggles with my mental health since my teens. And so I decided either consciously or unconsciously, if I achieve things in the world, then I'll be of value. And so I went on this kind of relentless pursuit. Well, first I failed with the business at 22 and that really knocked me and had a great sense of shame around having failed. I told people I was going to be successful and I came back Christmas Eve with my tail between my legs back to Galway. But then I went on this relentless pursuit of success. And so I just I'm going to achieve things. And I just worked tirelessly in my 20s. I mean, in five years, I, I completely changed my life, went from zero clients to 20,000 clients in five years and wrote books and opened a gym and did all these things that on the outside looked great. And at first it was great, but I just got caught on this treadmill of more for the sake of more. When I started, it was exciting and it was like everything was new. And then I started getting un- fearful. I think sometimes when you achieve things in life, there's then a fear of losing what you've achieved. And so you kind of grasp onto what you have and you lose that maybe freedom you had earlier on. So I just found my 20s. There was never time for thought. There was never time for stepping back and kind of considering how I felt if I was anxious or I was stressed or I was overwhelmed. I went for drinks and nights out. And that was how I tried to self-soothe. And again, I was doing the best with what I knew at the time. And so there's compassion there, but I never took a step back and kind of thought, well, maybe it's the way that I'm living and the relentless speed that I'm living at that's making me anxious. Maybe that's contributing to it. So again, in retrospect, I could have done with a bit of uh, more procrastination and, and slowing down. But yeah, it was it was my own. It was there was kind of two aspects. There was the professional aspect of recognizing that, you know, I was naive at 21, 22, thinking I'm just going to hand people meal plans and train them and they're going to transform. Um, but then there was my own experience of just this consistent, repetitive cycle of getting overwhelmed and anxious, getting through the crisis, conv- convincing myself I was okay, and then repeating every six months. Um, so I just started doing this work on myself, and and then slowly, as I picked up tools, I would just share them with clients, and for whatever reason, I was able to share it in a way that was accessible or kind of made sense to people, and um, I think sharing my own experience uh, helped people to you know, embody some of these things.
0: Yeah I think it's it's a word we've mentioned already on on some of these chats I've had is is the word vulnerability and and like that that sort of is is part of that bit you're talking about there compassion as well. I mean obviously you were able to talk about your your learnings or you know your experiences and be vulnerable which probably led to and, and obviously recognising that you need to be compassionate with yourself and being able to tell other people that they need to be compassionate with themselves and why and and why they're feeling and you know that, that all these things can be explained. I mean, that's that's the important thing, isn't it? Just to be curious and
1: compassionate. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that's the biggest piece in the world around everything. I know we're we're focused on um, procrastination, but on everything, it's like can I bring curiosity rather than judgment? Because when we judge something or someone or ourselves, we effectively put that thing in a box and it is what it is and it can never change. Like when I decide that my neighbor is, I don't know, judgmental, they're put in the judgmental box and now I never see their beauty. If I decide that uh, radio personality is cocky, then they're in the cocky box. And, and, and we, we fail to see what's in front of us because we've decided how it is. And similar to ourselves, again, if I've decided I'm a procrastinator and that's my label that I put on myself, now I struggle to see all the areas where I do consistently take action. You know, I often have people that say, I never stay consistent. And I said, tell me about your inconsistencies. And they'll say, I fall off the wagon every year with the gym. But I'll say, you consistently pick your kids up from school. You consistently show up to work. You consistently brush your teeth, I think. you consistently There's all these things you do consistently, but we tend to put our focus on the one thing that ties in with our narrative. And the narrative is often negative. So again, if I associate with being a procrastinator, you might consider all the times where you have done things consistently, where you do take action. And I think that can start to give a bit more balance. Uh, the mind is very black and white and so it tends to go to good or bad, right or wrong, up or down. And it's very judgmental in that way. And I think the gray area is where a lot of our freedom lives. And you mentioned earlier this idea of the thought that someday I'll stop procrastinating or I'll be happy when I fix this part of myself or whatever it might be. I think if we can balance our judgments, we can find a lot more peace. So with procrastination, as an example, there's positives and there's negatives. And generally, You know, if there's something I don't want to do, my mind has gone to all the negatives. So if I think about, again, tidying my house, my mind goes to this is going to be boring. This is unfulfilling. This is stopping me from doing things that I enjoy doing. My mind, without even having to think, is just coming to all these conclusions and associating all the pain that comes with doing the thing. If I can take a step back and I can ask, what would the benefits be of doing this? And I can find a bit of balance. It just starts to even things off a little bit. And equally, there's drawbacks that are things that I do want to do. So there's things that I love to do. I think it's important to be, you know, this is how we find balance. We recognize that everything has two sides. You know, um, sometimes we have a fantasy that someday I'm going to wake up and everything's going to fall into place and everything's going to be perfect. You could write down everything you want in life on one side of a page. And then on the other side of the page, you could consider what would the drawbacks be because there will be drawbacks. And then you could write down your nightmare on another side of a page and you could write down the positives that would come with that. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm I was, I was just thinking as you were talking there, like there's there's definitely there's days where I will work and I could work till the cows come home and I'll get work done and I'll be productive. And then there are days where I just feel like I have never not only can I not do the work, but I've never been good at this job. <laughs> you know, I can't remember. You know, I've no memory of the day before of, of, you know, lashing the work out and, you know, and, and being Productive and getting loads of work done and getting through it, and then and you you know you- so suddenly find yourself at your desk and you're just like, "What did I ever do before? How did I manage to do this work and it's just you know it's just trying to figure that out, but but you know almost as you said, like every day is different, and your your mind on a given day is different and and it does help me to be curious about it, but also some of those days I just need for me uh i don't know it could have been yourself, but I picked up a tip on. Instagram from somebody, and my tip for just getting the work in front of me done, rather than scrolling through TikTok or whatever it is, is I count down from ten, and by the time I get to one, I have to have started doing whatever work I have to do, and that really works for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you? Because yeah. because obviously the the bigger picture is you know t- all those all those sort of long term things and be compassionate and be curious and be vulnerable all those kind sure. of things, but in that moment. Do you have certain tips or tricks, or do you believe in those tips or tricks just to get you through the day or through the afternoon or get that bit of work done that needs to be
1: done? Yeah, they definitely it definitely makes a lot of sense. And again, it's it's blending these two things of you know, the I suppose the underlying philosophy of how you live your life with the compassion and the curiosity and the openness and the non-judgmental and all these aspects. And then there's the practicality of how do I show up in the day, as you say. So Mel Robbins wrote that book, The Five Second Rule. So She talked about, I think she was saying her marriage had fallen apart, her business had fallen, everything had kind of fallen apart in her life. And she just made a commitment to herself that when the alarm clock goes in the morning, I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, one. And by the time I get to one, my feet will have hit the ground. And she started applying this to all aspects of her life when I don't want to do the thing literally out loud, five, four, three, two, one. So I think that's a really good one. It sounds so simplistic. It sounds so, so basic. It sounds so obvious. But I guess like anything, decisiveness, I think decisiveness is a great value to, like we talk a lot about procrastination, but then what's the other side? Maybe the other side is decisiveness. So I might consider rather than what do I not want to be, what would I like to be? I'd like to be someone who's decisive, someone who gets things done, someone who takes action. And so decisiveness is like a muscle, you know, and I get better at anything that I practice in life. And so if I can practice taking action, I think it starts to become something where I build my confidence. Could consider, you know, if anyone listening has children, and your child says, I don't want to go to football. I, I'm not any good at football. It's very obvious to you that, you're, well, you're not going to get any better by not doing it, you know, but if you start going, you're probably going to see their confidence soar, and it's the same for us as, as, as adults, um, you know, oftentimes at the end of the day, I use this example that, you know, if your child comes home and, and says, I did this and this and this and they announce everything they did in the day at school and your response is to say, well, what are you going to do tomorrow? <laughs> The child's self-esteem would not go very far. It would not be good for the child's self-esteem. But as adults, we oftentimes accomplish a lot. But then that negativity bias, that part of the mind always looking for threats, will find the one thing that didn't work. Um, so that can be useful to kind of reflect on where was I decisive today? What did I get done today? Where did I take action? So, yeah, I think there's something there. The other the other piece kind of tying in with that in terms of real practical strategies is there's that old adage, how to eat an elephant one piece at a time. I think sometimes the procrastination comes from the task in front of us seems so big or so mammoth that it's kind of like, okay, there's a lot of pain associated with doing this thing. There's a lot of resistance. We think of this word resistance, resistance being the stories in my head about, no, this is too much. Don't do this. This is not, and, you know, I think back to the fitness days, there was simple kind of strategies we'd share with clients in the gym where, you know, it's a big task to think about going to the gym for an hour but could you put on your runners and go for a 10 minute walk away from your house? And most people, once they start the 10 minute walk, they'll keep walking further. They're not gonna just stop at 10 minutes. Or if someone's trying to write a book, it's a big idea to think about sitting down and writing a chapter. And so you're going to probably procrastinate because there's a lot of resistance there. So you might think about how can I lessen the resistance associated with this task? And one of the ways is just to take a smaller chunk to break it down into little steps. I think these things can be useful. I read a book years ago called The Compound Effect, and the guy kind of talked about how he changed his life by moving to the small and tiny atomic habits by James Clear is another book, lots of book recommendations, but all of these kind of talk about how we overestimate what we might get done in a week but we underestimate what we might do in a year so if I could be consistent with small little practices every day for the next year my whole life would look completely different but the tendency is to take on a huge amount I'm motivated for days one two and three then the resistance comes in and says oh this is too much to be doing I associate pain with it and so again I go to my comfort zone I, I come back to comfort and try to self-soothe. And um, so, I think your five, four, three, two, one that you mentioned, well, you, you're doing it from 10, you're giving yourself an extra five <laughs> yeah, seconds, yeah. I need but more it time. works. I need more time. <laughs> and, and breaking <laughs> it down, uh, those two things can be really useful. Funnily, if it's an easy task, if it's something that's quite easy to you and you find yourself procrastinating because it's not very exciting to think about doing the thing, you can actually giving yourself deadlines can be a really good way. You know, again, we think back to college, if I've got three months to do an assignment and I think, oh, I'll do it later. And it's always kind of taking up mental space because it's always there. I can never fully relax because I've got to do the thing. Can I give myself a self-imposed deadline? I mean, this is especially true for entrepreneurs or people that are working for themselves. They've got to have that kind of discipline. So maybe you've got, you know, another month before the tax deadline is due, but could you give yourself a day and say that at the end of that day, I'm going out for a nice meal. So again, you're tying something that you value to something that's a little bit lower on your value and just freeing up some space. So five second rule, breaking things down into more chunkable, manageable steps, because that's where our confidence comes from, is seeing our progress as opposed to seeing how far we've got to go. And then maybe uh, having a deadline on your tasks, making things a little bit more challenging because we're all driven to some degree by challenge. There's the idea of flow. I don't know if you've seen this, Keith, with flow. is um, Flow is kind of the optimal state of performance for a lot of us the tasks that we have in life. You might imagine uh, starting a new job and the first couple of days, a little bit overwhelming. You're meeting new people, learning new tasks. How do we how do we operate? What does this place look like? And then after a period of time, you're just kind of going through the motions. Suddenly there's not much challenge there anymore. So we fall into a state of boredom. I'm just kind of doing what I, you know I'm, I'm here for six months, I'm here for a year, every day is quite similar. So this can be quite boring. We're not being challenged. And then we start a new job and it's overly challenging. And it, 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 we can pendulate between these two things. I get bored at the gym, it's very boring. And then I start something different, it's overwhelming. There's a sweet spot between the two called flow. And flow is where I'm being challenged a little bit beyond what's comfortable. So I'm having to kind of step up. And when I have to step up, the monkey mind switches off because there's no space to be overthinking. But again, it's not so challenging that I'm. Uh, it's forming anxiety. It's not so easy that it's forming boredom. It's this beautiful spot in between. So, again, if a task is easy, one of the ways I can make it slightly more challenging is to lessen the deadline, give myself a tighter deadline. And suddenly now I've got to switch that off and just get to work.
0: Wow. A lot of stuff in there to to think about. Uh, loads of tips as well. I, I find um, a to do list really helps me as well. And, and it's it's not the writing of the to do list, but the ticking off of the things I've done where it almost like, OK, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm motor now, you know, as, as you kind of get through a couple of things. You, easy things mm. at the start and then you know respond to a few emails tick you know whatever tick and then and then you get get into the big task but you're, you're motoring at that stage and also there's the other thing of you sort of mentioned that uh, you know of, of going for the run or whatever and and you know go out for a 10-minute walk of that idea that motivation sort of starts after the action which is kind of kind of a new idea really out there where people feel like oh, i just don't feel motivated which which is you know is part of what procrastination is as well, but but there is that idea in there that that you briefly mentioned that actually you start first and then the motivation will come.
1: Yeah, just a little tip that might be useful to kind of supercharge your to do list. Um, there's two aspects that I've added to my to do list or kind of encourage people to consider. With the to do list, we write down what we want to do, so that's the what, and that's quite cognitive. It's it's in my head. When we write down why we want to do the thing. It moves to more of an emotional level it has a bit more power behind it so for example what's on my to-do list go to the gym why do i want to go to the gym now i start to consider well i want to it really helps my mental health now it's a different thing and then the third question that i ask is to consider who do i want to be in that moment so again i have all these different personalities but when i'm in the gym i want to be driven when i'm with my family i want to be present so i'd write down three tasks every day i'd write the purpose behind those tasks which kind of ties in again with my values and if it's something I don't value, but I have to get it done, I might consider, well, you know, it's going to give me peace of mind. And then who do I want to be? So what are my tasks? I want to go to the gym, I want to grab lunch with a friend, and I want to write a chapter of a book. Why are those things important? Gym is good for my mental health. Friends, I've been neglecting friends recently because things are very busy and is an important part, part of my life. So it's really just giving you that leverage to do these things. And then who do I want to be? Well, when I'm in the gym, I want to be driven when I'm with my friend. I want to be playful and open. Um, when I am writing the chapter my book, I want to be disciplined. So I think it's good to kind of sometimes in life, one thing rolls into the next, into the next, into the next. We bring our stress from work home to the family life. We, we you know, things kind of merge. So it's nice to have that bit of separation. And as you say, I think that reminder then on the sometimes we have to take the action to get the feeling it's like uh, the, 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 the feeling is the reward for taking the action. And you can obviously remind yourself of all the times, maybe when you get to the end of a workout or you get the end of something difficult and you've got that good feeling, you kind of anchor that in you say, I need to remind myself next time I don't want to do the thing. This is how it feels to have overcome the resistance. Mm
0: -hmm. Just sit with it. There's loads of stuff in there for people to digest and loads of tips and loads of tricks and all that kind of stuff. But just the the podcast is called I'll Start Monday. So here's another opportunity for you to to give us (laughs) something to do on Monday. So is there anything people can do starting Monday? to make the
1: most of their time and to help with the procrastination problem that you haven't mentioned yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Maybe maybe just sticking with two of the things that have been mentioned. I think that five second rule is, as simple as actually th- here's three things. So the first is the five second rule. I think as simple as it sounds, give it a go. You're going to count down from five, four, three, two, one. Anytime you find yourself overthinking, getting in your own way, telling yourself stories about not having the energy to do something or whatever it might be. Anytime you find yourself procrastinating, the five, four, three, two, one, that could be when the alarm clock goes and you want to click snooze, let your feet hit the floor before you get to one. When you're contemplating, do I go to the gym or not? Have your runners in your hand by the time you get to one. So that would be the first idea is embrace this idea of becoming someone who's decisive rather than someone who procrastinates. It's like identity is important. How we see ourselves is important. If I see myself as a decisive person, and I'm, I'm intentional about being decisive for a number of months. Maybe I pick a month and I say for the next month, I'm going to be decisive. And that's going to become a, a, a fundamental part of who I am and how I see myself. And um, that's one. Number two, I would go with that to do list and just add those aspects of why are these things important? Get that little bit of leverage. And number three, I, you know, I don't ever do a podcast without talking about compassion and curiosity. Be gentle with yourself. Um, you, you won't get anywhere by beating yourself up. There's an Anthony DeMello quote, I should know it at this stage. I've I've said it so many times, but I'll, I'll paraphrase. He basically said for years, everyone around me was telling me to change and I wanted to change and I tried to will myself to change and I desperately wanted to change and I just couldn't change. And he said someone then came to me and said, don't change. I love you just the way you are. And he said in that moment, I relaxed and everything was perfect. And suddenly I changed. So it's kind of that idea that when I accept that everything I do is for a reason, I'm doing the best with what I can. And I go a little bit easier on myself. Typically, the paradox is that change starts to happen. You can't change from a place of resistance and a place or a place of judgment. You can only change from a place of acceptance. I am where I am. I'm doing my best, and now I'm going to do things slightly differently.
0: Well, we leave it there. Thank you very much, Pat Divoli and uh, hopefully people will benefit from your from your tips and, and thoughts there as well. Be nice to yourselves, people. Thanks, Pat. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking. And with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette. Clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid. Requires willpower. Always read the label.